Welcome to a bonus live edition of Locked On Senators featuring our Sens insider, The Martian. You can follow him on Twitter, at Laleem's Martian. And this one, it's it's not a happy show. Like, let's be honest. We never cheer for someone to lose their jobs. But today, Pierre Dorian has resigned as Senators general manager after more than seven years as GM and more than 17 years as a member of the organization. Steve Steos has been named interim GM. A search for a G- general manager will not have a timeline. I'm Ross Levitan. Martian, what is going on, my friend? Well, it's been a busy day, Ross, as you can probably imagine. Um, I think, obviously, as soon as we knew that there was going to be a punishment for the Dadanov situation, um, which is also something that came out today, by the way. I know this story on news is kind of taking up all the headlines now, but uh, after losing a first-round pick for essentially negligence, um, and that's something that we knew was coming based on, you know, the reports that we were seeing, uh, you know, earlier last week, you know, at the end of last week, uh, I caught wind of that one. Um, you caught wind of that one. And then uh, over the weekend, you know, that was confirmed by Elliot Friedman that, you know, there was going to be some sort of, sort of punishment to the Sens uh, for that Evgeny Dadanov trade situation where uh, they didn't disclose the no trade list to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and as soon as, you know, you hear something like that and a mistake that large, um, you know, amongst the GMs and, you know, in, in the Senator's brass, you just have to assume that there was going to be repercussions for that. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened today. Yeah, and it didn't take long. I mean, it was it was pretty immediate. I think they they found out what the punishment was going to be, you know, last week. I, I'm pretty sure is when they kind of knew that was going to happen. And uh, I think that at that point, the decision had been made, um, which is why, you know, it took so long. Uh, I mean, why it was, you know, it didn't take long for the leaks to start happening um, amongst the, the organization. And that was with two other organizations as well that Michael Anlauer made clear were not happy and wanted, quote, a pound of flesh for what happened as uh, the league was embarrassed by the fact that Evgeny Dadanov was sent to Anaheim despite being on his no trade list. That no trade list was not communicated from the Ottawa Senators at the time of a trade that happened like 18 months ago. So I get Anlauer's frustration. I thought it was pretty refreshing to hear him just straight up say he doesn't understand what's going on here, and um, nor do I from that standpoint. But the first question was asked by Bruce Garriock, and it was simple. Was this the final straw? And he said, that's a great way to put it because it's not this happened and okay, he's got to lose his job. And I know the term is resigned. I know on the thumbnail, I put fired. Let's meet in the middle. It's somewhere in between. I don't think if Pierre Dorian didn't see the writing on the wall, he would have been happy to go. He believes in this team. He's locked up a lot of the core. If this core has success, there will be some stick taps for Pierre Dorian. But on a day-to-day level, it just felt like there was too much that was going on behind the scenes that just didn't didn't make sense. It didn't align with the the best in class mantra that this ownership group has, that this uh, president of hockey operations has. I think he wants to keep things a little bit tighter and a little bit more professional, for lack of a better term. I think that there was um, there was a comment made saying we put ourselves in a bit of a pickle with this uh, with this move with the Shane Pinto thing, and like I thought, Anlar nailed it right off the bat, and I want you to pick up with that saying like. Hey, the first 30 days was awesome as as the owner of this team, but then in the last 10, I've had two phone calls from the league that kind of blindsided and brought him back down to reality. First, Shane Pinto, 41 games, and then the fact that you're losing a first-round pick. Yeah, and this is classic Ottawa Senators of old, hopefully. Uh, this kind of debacle, I think, is is something that they need to get a hold of rather quickly, and and. No news is going to be good news for the Ottawa Senators going forward throughout this season and, and into the future beyond that because, I mean, it, we've been Sens fans for a very long time, Ross, and it's crazy how used we are to be, you know, seeing the Sens be a negative headline. Like a long time. Almost, almost like, I mean, lately it's been every week, but, um, you know, over the course of the last few years, it's like, Every six months, there's some big story, and it has to do either with the Eugene Melnick stuff, or you know something Pierre Dorian says, or or some sort of mistake that's made by somebody in the organization that leads to some sort of headline. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you use the word professionalism. Um, that's something where you know 
other fans can give us a hard time for being a, a, a Mickey Mouse organization because look at the track record. Like, it's true. There's been so many times where we're the laughingstock of the league because somebody in the organization screwed up. It's not pretty. And it's not fun to deal with as a fan. We just want to watch this hockey team and watch them win. That's all I want to do. And the Senators got back in the win column. This one, though, was a well thought out, let's put it that way. Like, this wasn't something that came overnight. Uh, however, it didn't seem like it was premeditated from the time that Steve Steos came in because another quote that I found interesting from Michael Anlauer was saying he liked the idea of this two-headed monster having a GM and a president of hockey operations collaborating and working together, the GM for the day-to-day operations and the president of hockey operations laying the foundation for the long-term stability of the organization. So how long do you think it'll be before Steve Steos hires a general manager. Uh, I don't think it will be too long. I think they're obviously going to, you said it, they, they want that two headed monster. So they're going to probably begin their hunt right now. I think that's probably got to be one of uh, Steve Steos's top priorities, you know, before the end of the new year. Uh, I would guess that if we're going to get a new GM this season, which I, I expect we will, it'll pro- it'll probably be around Christmas or New Year's kind of area um, where they have the time to, you know, evaluate what they have and what they need and the type of person that they want to bring in. Um, and then, and I think we'll have a new GM by then. Um, I know everybody's next question is probably going to be, you know, DJ Smith. Um, I think that it's pretty obvious that they're going to give him his leash to uh, let this team perform. Sounds like they still have, you know, the vote of confidence towards him as far as being the head coach of the team. So um, I would expect, you know, everybody's saying that 20 game mark is kind of that reevaluation, uh, you know, period. Um, I would expect at least that 20 game period before we hear any DJ Smith chatter. And if the team's winning, um, that chatter will go away entirely. And I think Steve Steos hit the nail on the head when he was asked that question. The players, and I agree with this, and you can you can say what you want about maybe him not being hard enough on players and keeping them accountable. But from the other way around, like these players still like as a whole work hard. Like how many nights? And we remember the the Craig Hartsburg. A team like like back in the day the Corey Clouston teams like there's been bad coaches for this organization in the past and it's been clear even Paul McClain I know he started off strong but at the end Paul McClain was just you know he'd run out his time in Ottawa we've seen the team quit on different coaches the Senators haven't quit on DJ Smith I think it's more you can you can pick apart the X's and O's of DJ Smith but I bet you Steve Steos is saying hey we can put other people Daniel Alfred's in one of them and others. We can put people around DJ that can help with the X's and O's and all that. I feel like that with the GM, they're making the decision. The buck stops here. So I understand if if you don't have confidence at, at all, you have to move on. But when it comes to the head coach, I think you can insulate him with the proper support staff. And then if it still doesn't work, then you, you know, you, you figured it out that the common denominator, whereas I think now he's had what his same two assistants forever. Like I wouldn't even be surprised if we saw, you know, a new assistant coach come in and then, you know, maybe go from there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It could could happen. Right. Where, you know, if they do feel like it's a structural thing and not an effort thing, then maybe that's a change that they do need to make. But I don't know. I feel like they're just going to want a little bit of a quiet period here for themselves. So they don't have to keep doing uh, press conferences uh, you know, once every two weeks or, or even more frequently than that. And Lauer said it at the end. He's like, uh, right before the stream cut off, he's like, hopefully I don't have to see you guys for a little while. Oh, he did say that. I missed that part. I, uh, I had to take the dog out before he jumped on here. So I just missed the very end there. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's the way they're thinking. They're just like, we need to put a stop to all these headlines around this team. We just need to focus on the hockey side of thing. Cause that's, that's why Michael Hanlauer bought the team. And by the way, thank God he's a hockey guy through and through while all this stuff is going on because he knows how to kind of react and damage control these type of headlines. Can you imagine Ryan Reynolds getting up there and trying to deal with this? <laughs> or Snoop Dogg for that matter? Like, man, it would be a total sideshow. Um, so I'm really glad we ended up with who we did as the owner of this team. I'm, I'm dying even just thinking about that. Now, some of you may be asking, well, there were two people at the Sens press conference. There's two people on this stream. Where is Pilsy? Right? Like a lot of people are going to be asking that, Martian. Where's Pilsy? Did Pilsy resign from Locked On Senators? Did Pilsy resign? And the answer is no. We got this from Pilsy. Pilsy's out at the farm today. Rocking the Sens Central hoodie, though. He looks sharp as ever, doesn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, Pillsy's always a great-looking guy, so look at him in that. That's that's a hard-working man right there, so we, we can't give him too much of a hard time. I can farm and I can podcast, but I can't do both at the same time. <laughs> Classic Pills. I love it. So uh, Pillsy is still on board, but obviously uh, we're trying to laugh through the Ottawa Senators' news of the day. A man lost his job and hasn't been replaced for sure just yet. And Eric, I'm in no place to be disclosing how many chickens pills he has. He's going to make you guys suffer for this one. Ask him on the postcast after dark. That's when he'll cut, he'll cut that, that off for you guys, but we got plenty more to get to on this one. We're going to speculate on who some GM candidates could be. We're going to look back on the Pierre Dorian era as general manager, seven plus years. There's been good, bad, ugly. I think the one thing you can say about Pierre Dorian is this man's not afraid to take a swing. He took a lot of them. He struck out. And he hit grand slams. Now, did he close his eyes to hit a few of those grand slams? Maybe. But hey, they all count. It's how, how, not how, it's how many. So with all that said, we'll get right back to that. But I want to tell you quickly a word first from our friends with Sleeper. You know Sleeper as the online, and Pillsy's so good at this. So guys, bear with me. I need you guys to bear with me here. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Like for the Ottawa Senators, how long will the coach survive? Are the Stars going to bring them back to the playoffs? Stanley Cup? No, let's stick with playoffs. You could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily sports fantasy, and especially Daily Fantasy Hockey. Because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. Now, when you look... At this week, Connor McDavid is back. He's a guy who I'd get back into my daily lineups. I know that all my friends are telling me about Elias Pettersson. Can't get away from the Elias Pettersson talk. He's better than Stutzla. He's better than McDavid. Yeah, those are the Canucks fans speaking up. But fans can also play daily fantasy NFL, NBA, MLB, and college football on Sleeper. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See sleepers, terms of use for details and locational availability. This episode is also brought to you by Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. You can hate waiting. I do too. That's why Indeed's U.S. data shows over that 80% of Indeed employees find quality candidates whose resume matches the job description the moment they sponsor a job. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you can get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. So join the over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need. Indeed. All right. Rate the ad read, uh, Marshy. How'd I do? Really good. I'm glad uh, you really powered through at the end there. It was it was long, but it was good. I, I'm We're through it. Hey, this is what we do for the bonus content here. We're 16 minutes in. We got way more to get to, but we got to thank the people that make this show available for you five days a week. A lot of people asking me to get your reaction to Ann Lauer saying, wasn't so happy how this one leaked out to the streets. Yeah, I mean, he didn't uh, directly reference the streets, thank goodness. Um, but I think, you know, there's obviously a, a bit of a... Uh, I don't want to say it's an issue for, I mean, it's beneficial for me as a fan, but like, but like when things leak, people hear things around the CTC, you know, people who, I don't know if it's people who work there. I don't know if it's people who um, know somebody who works there. I don't know who these people are a lot of the time. Sometimes, you know, you got to vet them a little bit more than others. Um, but, you know, it's pretty clear that uh, the streets really don't miss and people haven't really fed me bad info yet. Like I, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm getting it from people who are connected enough that I trust to put it on my account. Um, I wouldn't just make something up for the fun of it. Uh, it's obvious that, you know, there's people out there who uh, are, you know, friends of the streets and I am merely a conduit. You know, if they want to get that news out there, uh, I'm the man. So I'll get that out for anyone. Um, but at the same time, uh, you got to be careful with what you're putting out there because, 
Um, you don't want to be wrong, um, but for now we're 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 doing okay. You especially don't want to be wrong when you're talking about another man's job, and we know that all too well. People who are longtime listeners of LOSP right might remember the making sense of the sense days when yours truly had the Guy Boucher firing first, simply because we saw him being escorted out of the of the uh, of the arena. So we uh, we said, don't be surprised if Guy Boucher is fired today. And now uh, six years later, we passed the buck to Martian. And I like the craziest part is that even all the way back then, and it, it feels wild bringing up something from over six years ago, like Pierre Dorian was the general manager for that day. Like it, it has been a long time since he's been in the organization. Martian, it's, it's a lot to ask you to summarize, right? It's been a pandemic. It's been 545 regular season games. It's been one memorable playoff run. How will you look back on the Pierre Dorian tenure in Ottawa? It's a really tough question, Ross, because I think, you know, as a person, I, I feel like Pierre Dorian was probably one of the better guys in the NHL you could ever ask to have a beer with. I feel like he's got kind of maybe a little bit of like loose lips. He'll tell you a good story or two. Um, he's like, he's a regular great guy from Ottawa who, uh, happened to be a GM of a hockey team and the local um, team too. Hey, local guy. I think like, you know, for, for him, it was his dream job. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a lot of trades that you can look at and say, Oh, that one didn't really turn out in his favor. But on the flip side, I think just as many of those trades, if not more actually panned out for the better for him and for the team, um, I would have never thought that the Evgeny Dadanov one was the one that was going to make him, you know, at the end of it, lose his, lose his job. I think some people were trying to dunk on me today. Like, I, I think after that trade, my comment was Dorian kind of nice with it, with that, after that trade. Um, but obviously two years hindsight is a, is a hell of a drug. Um, but with, with, with Dorian overall summary for me would be like, it was a rebuild. Like the team wasn't going to win a lot of games. Everybody knew that from the start. And if you look at the the final, you know, if you want to say the rebuild's over and the, which I believe it is and the, and the, you know, the roster that they're currently rocking right now and the contracts, those players are on mission accomplished. Like you did, you did complete that rebuild and it was a long process, but you do got kind of got to give them a lot of credit for what they ended up with here. And he really set up whoever comes next with, you know, some great core pieces to move forward with. So for me, um, I give Pierre two thumbs up for his uh, for his efforts. But obviously there was some uh, lack of, of professionalism that ultimately ended up costing him. I think, um, you know, sometimes he was a little bit too candid in the media. That's something that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because you don't see a lot of um, GMs making jokes at the podium and, and, you know, even laughing at their own jokes or trying to be funny. Um, but I think that just goes back to what I was saying earlier about him being just, you know, kind of almost like too regular of a guy. Like he was very like just candid and honest and, and has a sense of humor and, you know, wants to be well liked. So um, I can't really fault him too much for that. But when you look at who they currently have here with it, with Ann Lauer and, and Steos and whoever they bring in next, you can expect none of that BS, right? It's going to be all business all the time, very direct, very straightforward, and uh, you know, no quotable um, comments in the media that are going to let the fans go nuts and and let them meme him up, like throwing a cup up in the box suite, like like remember that, and then like all these different little things that you know you can look at and say like. That's maybe not something that you should do at work if you're a you know a, a general manager of an NHL hockey team, which is the highest highest of levels of, of ho in the hockey world and even in the sporting world, right? So um, for me, it was ultimately the the lack of professionalism um, is what cost him. But I think on paper for the hockey moves, he did well. If you don't look at um, all you the know, bad ones, that, well, the penalty that they just ended up taking a first round pick is is no joke. Right. There are a lot of bad ones, but there were a lot of good ones. This one here uh, was just straight up uh, like, I mean, the, the word they're using is negligence and, and being negligent isn't doing something by accident. It's purposefully, you know, leaving something out to almost mislead someone where it was pretty obvious that Vegas asked them for if there was a no trade list. And the answer was no. And obviously that's not the facts. You know, the fact is there was a no trade list and obviously Ottawa knew about it. So um, for them to withhold that information, of course, that's going to be a fireable offense. 
And to be honest, that's the kind of thing that deserves to be punished pretty strong handedly. So, and I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying that, uh, let's, let's just say he, he might not have been the most respected among players as a GM. And I can only imagine that maybe some agents as well, where it's just kind of like, yeah, I, I mean, he has this easy goingness about him. He's been on our show three times and I would love to have him back on. If he wants to come on and say his side of the story, by all means. So if you, if anyone in the chat is in Orleans or can get to Navin Arena in the next week and can get us Pierre Dorian, we're happy to have a conversation with him, hear his side of the story. But just from, from kind of the outsider's perspective, just feels like maybe sometimes he didn't, it didn't come off as though, like I think that he has a ton of passion and he wanted what's best for the Senators. But I feel like sometimes it kind of came off that it was almost careless. It like, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was taking it maybe as seriously as it was. It was kind of like, oh, ha, ha. maybe it was just kind of came off happy go lucky, but I could see it rubbing people the wrong way, especially in the organization where behind the scenes, like how many people do we have to go through that, we, that had jobs under him that left on precarious circumstances? I think that the list is much too long. Yeah, and I think that list to the very top of it, you would look at Trent and probably Troy Mann as well, right? Where the we still don't really know what what happened there, because um, those were guys we thought as fans were well respected within the organization. So I, who knows what happened there? But then even just going back to this this Evgeny Dadanov thing and and the how he's you know looked at among other GMs, it's like who's going to want to deal with a guy who is who's now got it on his record that he's been negligent with information when it comes to the contract that he's handing out or or trading? Um, that's something that another GM obviously would look at and be like. Well, why would I make a trade with this guy? He just screwed me over the same way he screwed over Vegas. And and clearly George McPhee um, and the Vegas Golden Knights and apparently even people on the Am- uh, Anaheim side were, you know, pretty much pissed off that, that that happened and they didn't want to be looked at as the ones to blame for that. So they made sure that, you know, the Ottawa Senators and Pierre Dorian ended up taking uh, the, the, the term that's being used a lot is a pound of flesh. So they, they got their pound of flesh. Let's just say that. We remember the Sens lore of the 112-page document that Pierre Dorian brought to Barbados, brought to Eugene Melnick at the start of the rebuild and says, this is our 112-page plan to be a Stanley Cup champion. How far do you think they got into that plan? Not as far as the 73-page document that they've been talking about with the Evgeny uh, Dadnov situation. Apparently, you know, they put together quite the case against the Sens. Uh, 73 pages. Like, you, I feel like for all the information that we know about this, you could detail it, like, into in terms. You could take a sides of, like, what I had for breakfast, how many hours I slept that night, if it was a two-day uh, meeting or whatever the heck happened, and still have it on maybe three pages, four pages. There's got to yeah. be a lot of photos that are taking up full pages. Um, Give me the Coles notes, please. I, I ain't reading all that. That's uh, but, but yeah, I think with the unparalleled success document, I think we can probably burn that one. Uh, they got Who knows how far they got into it, but we've got a new book now, and it's the best-in-class uh, you know, best book. So the, guide, gonna- the Guide to Becoming Best-in-Class. There's the title. Yeah, and I, I love that now. Like right now, we can actually say, okay, I mean, you know, up top, we we are gonna have you know the people who are gonna be best in class. None of this more, no more of this sideshow action, no more of this you know drama off the ice. It's it's not about that anymore. It's all about the team and what's gonna happen you know on the ice and and how that's gonna go. I I really hope we never have another story headline like this around our team. It is getting too much um so we're we're past it we're through it this is what needed to happen um and we'll, we'll see how things go moving forward here but i think it's, it this is as bad of news as it is to lose a first round pick um this is good news in you know in the fact that it's it's a changing the page and and you know it's a new era now with this team and we can officially say that because the man who's essentially been at the helm for the darkest years is is gone well, the Ottawa Senators have given up plenty of draft picks, retained salary to get rid of their own mistakes, and it almost feels somewhat eerily poetic that Pierre Dorian has to attach a first-round pick to get himself out of town. 
Now, we look at former players, and some of them speaking up now. Some, I'm sure, will in the future. Mike McKenna, uh, who had a cup of coffee in Ottawa. I was pretty hard on him over the years, being like, okay, we get it, dude. You played three NHL games. Like You should be thankful the Senators were so bad and had so many goalie injuries that you you got to play in the NHL. But then when you hear it from other people and and you know people who we talk with a lot more than others, um, it it's a sentiment that you can't ignore as one person's story because there are so many similar stories. Mike McKenna, everyone can see in the chat, but if people are just listening audio, uh, all the people giving me a hard time for being tough on the sends, terrible ownership and terrible communication. That was Ottawa's MO for years. It finally caught up. Ann Lauer is going to clean house, and I would too. There was so much rot in that organization. That, that's some pretty candid, strong words. And listen, you got to take that with a with a grain of salt. That's Mike McKenna we're talking about. He, you know, he was a career backup, and his time in Ottawa was obviously quite rough. Um, I, 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 you do have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. There's obviously been some bad blood there since he's left Ottawa, so he's been slamming Ottawa for quite some time. I, but he's not entirely wrong. Obviously. And like you could go. Like you want to go up the list or down the list? Like I, I wonder what Matt Murray would say about uh, about Mike Pierre Dorian. Again, these are some of these guys. It's like, well, they, he should be thanking Pierre Dorian for giving him eighteen million dollars. But yeah, they- like Michael Delzato would be another one. I'm sure that he's probably got some stories for how he was handled in Ottawa when he was sent down to Belleville and things like that. You could, you're right. There's a, there's more than a few guys, and I'm not saying Mike McKenna's wrong there. I think he's he's definitely on point. I just do think that, like, this is him now taking his shot after. Exactly. Uh, right? So. But I'm just curious at, at who else is, like, who's going to take the next shot? Because I, I think well, there will be, there will be others. It'll be very similar to, you know, what happened after Eugene Melnick. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he passed away. And, and that's, of course, when all the dirt comes out is after, you know, this person's gone and no longer in the power position. So uh, there will be others. I fully expect that. My goodness. Uh, when when I think back to Pierre Dorian's tenure, because for, for you, it's just kind of like, what, the hit and the miss of it? And then the fact that, you know, he did rebuild this thing and did sign long-term. For me, it's like, it's it's kind of tripping over himself on the way, right? Like, he'd make a good trade and then turn it into a bad trade. Like, I thought acquiring Matt Murray, they needed a goalie, good trade. They only gave up a second and a pick. But then why did why do you have to go give him the extension? Alex Burroughs, which I heard he wouldn't come if they didn't give him an extension, but that was all the way back when they were still competing. It's like they traded for him, immediately extended him, and then ultimately bought him out of that contract. And it just, there's so many examples. They get two second round picks for, for Anthony Duclair. You're like, or with Anthony Duclair, sorry, for Ryan Dezingo, right? You're like, well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, what did they do with it? They attached one second round pick to get rid of, I forget, they trade one second round pick to the Coyotes to get Derek Stepan. And then you tr- you let Duclair go for nothing. So it's like even the good trades kind of crumbled apart when you look at how everything was managed. Yeah, the trade trees are, are really wild, I think, when you look at the, the Dorian history. Like, I mean, one, one that a lot of people could say that he kind of lucked into was the Eric Carlson trade. Um, that one turned out probably as good as any trade. When we did our top trades in Senators history, that was in the top three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, trading Eric Carlson was no easy task, and it ended up, you know, turning out pretty good a few years later with, with Tim Stutzel and Josh Norris being those two main pieces out of that one. Um, and then you look at the Mark Stone one, though, and it's the same kind of situation where they kind of needed to get rid of him. Um, and... And that one was a complete flop. You get Eric Brandstrom and what a second round pick for him there. So, um, you know, there's there's a very broad spectrum of of quality when it comes to Pierre Dorian's trades. I I don't know, like what do you, what do you think is next? I think that we're gonna. Uh, I, you think I, hope, I hope what's next is they're gonna they're gonna start winning some hockey games, um, and then and then you know people will. will you know, slowly start to forget all about all this crap. And then um, I think, you know, around that Christmas break and New Year's time, I think that's when you'll start to see um, some more changes coming if they're coming, whether it be on the coaching side, like I said earlier, or, you know, hiring a new GM. Amazing. What do you think of this quote by Steve Steos that I've, I've pulled up here? And this is what we, we paraphrase this, but this is the direct quote. Thank you to Claire Hannah. 
the players respect DJ. They play hard. They've never cheated us on effort. They look organized going into games. I think if you ask me, are there areas of improvement? For sure. If you ask DJ, he'd tell you the same thing. I have confidence this group is going to continue to move in the right direction. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't just dis- how can I disagree? I, I can't really disagree. I, I like that he's giving this vote. If he wasn't giving DJ a vote of confidence right now, he should be fired as well. So this is, of course, what he's going to say, right? Like, if, unless they had plans to get rid of DJ, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get the vote of confidence from the upper uh, upper management. And that's what he's getting. So, you know, DJ is going to get his leash. Um, we're only what nine games into the season, Ross. That's not really a big enough sample size to look at. A, a, oh, sorry, eight games. Um, that's not a big enough sample size to evaluate a coach. Everybody is saying, you know, that 20, uh, 20 game mark. And if, if they see something between that, then and now where the players don't look like they're, what did he say? Not cheating on effort. If they look like they're cheating on effort, um, then you can reevaluate and make that change. But uh, DJ's getting out of this one scot-free. All this nonsense uh, has nothing to do with him. Um, they're a 500 team right now, and I think that they could be, you know, a lot better than that. So let him let him have his leash that we all discussed, you know, going into the season. That you know, give him his 20 games and get through uh, and have a better November. And and if that happens, then we're good. Let's carry on. If not, then he's going to be the next one in the hot seat. I think. Uh, I think that DJ Smith can start looking into, you know, what to do on his days off in Sweden though. I think that now he's extending himself past Sweden. I don't think there's going to be an immediate change unless, I mean, there's five games between now and then if they win more than two, like I think I said in the off season, like they have to be 500 going to Sweden. Yeah. At this point it's like, okay, you've already made a pretty big change. If you're not going to make the change together, like have Dorian and DJ leave at the exact same time, then I think that you can't do it a week apart. Like either commit to like another month or two months or whatever. And another note on DJ is he and his whole staff are in the final year of their contract. So that is something to keep in mind as well. That you, Great point. you, you can anyways, we'll, we'll see how they play. They're four. The other thing, the other thing too is right. I, I, I don't know if DJ, it, I don't think Steos would, would go ahead and ax DJ without having his new GM. I think, you know, the new GM comes before any movement with the coaching staff. And who knows? They could hire a new GM next week, Ross. We, we don't know. There's names floating around. I know, I know you know, Peter Sorelli is definitely one of them. Um, Matthew Darch is another one that, that people have been mentioning. And who knows who else is out there. Um, so those guys, if, if whoever comes in is going to want a moment to evaluate. And they're one of the things they're going to be looking at is the coaching staff. And if they feel that there needs to be a change, they're going to have no ties to DJ and his coaching staff. So if, if they go, that's not my guy. See you later. It's going to happen pretty quick right after that. This guy's going to want to put a stamp on the team, whoever it may be. And that's, that's kind of an easy one. And we know Steve Steos has a connection with Peter Shirelli from their time in Edmonton together. And Peter Shirelli has very strong ties to Ottawa. Not only the fact that he's from here, that he's currently living here, but also the fact that, that he was the Senators' assistant general manager before getting his first big-time job with the Boston Bruins. And you know what? A lot of people are getting upset about the uh, perspective of prospective of Peter Shirelli because of, you know, awful trades that he's done in the past, right? Didn't capitalize on the Tyler Sagan situation in Boston. You know, really lost the Taylor Hall trade, which, I mean, now five years later, I'm just kidding. Taylor Hall won MVP like two years later. So there's absolutely no way that you come back from that trading him for uh, Adam Larson. But what I'll say is I'm mad at Peter Shirelli for something else. This guy took Zidane Charo with him when he left Ottawa to Boston. I still haven't forgiven him for that. But I, I honestly think that a lot of the decisions that are going to be made are going to be coming from Steve Steos. Like the way the Senators are going to mold into a team is going to be the Steve Steos vision for how a hockey team should look. I think that you need to bring in someone, my at least, and I want to get yours too, Martian. My like uh my quality candidates for this job, shout out indeed. They have to be good communicators. They have to have a laundry list of of contacts within the league. And they have to be someone who who in 
I guess this is to go with good communicating, but they have to be able to stand in front of a microphone and explain things the way that uh, Ann Lauer and Steos would want. But I don't think we need the most creative guy. I think that a lot of the creativity is going to come as a group or even up top. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm off base with that, but yeah, I think I love everything on your list. I think the only two things I would add is, is somebody who demands respect because of a, a track record of their own, uh, whether it be as a you know somebody who has done it for a long time before, or um, you know somebody who played the game and played it well at, at a certain level, definitely a former NHLer I think would would fit that bill, and then maybe a Hall of Famer, you know. Um, Stop it. <laughs> and then the other thing is structure is being able to, you know, act like they say nowadays, a lot of NHL teams have very similar structures, but somebody who can really hold guys accountable for, uh, you know, not holding to the defensive structure specifically on the team. The one thing that can be said for Peter Shirelli as well is his background is on the contract side, on the legal side. Um, his first job with the Ottawa Senators was in 1999, and he was the director of legal relations. So I don't think that Dadnov mistake happens with Peter Shirelli at the helm. Uh, no, I think he, that one wouldn't have slipped by him. I, I think he would have known that saying no when asked if there's a trade clause and there is uh, was a big no-no. Yeah, uh, Sean mentioning please not Alfie, and I think Alfie won. Like I was convinced. No, oh, I don't think it was going to be that. I, I was, I was actually. I, I don't know why I was thinking coach when you asked that question. I think that's what I. That's why I, I think Alfie might be the next head coach of the team. Like if we're going to get, we're. we're no, no, that's not what I was saying either. I was actually leaning Patrick Waugh, but. Oh. <laughs> I think the thing with Alfie is you can't put him in a position where he could be fired. Really. No, but you know what would be kind of kind of cool, and l- let's say okay. I'm about to get real dark for a second. Uh, live stream after dark. No, but in all seriousness, it. I, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. And someone in the chat, let me know as well. Who was it? Was it someone? Maybe in Buffalo. Anyways, doesn't matter. But if if this season goes off the rails, which would be awful, horrible. I'm not ready to say that. I even close to say that yet. But it, where Alfie would be named the interim head coach because if if that's what he wants to do, and kind of you know, spend the rest of the year kind of learning and, and weaving out say like, Oh, let's. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't hate it. I would hate for them to go off the rails. And if that happened then that would really make a long season for guys like us who, you know, cover the game afterwards every time. But I, I kind of think that's a fun idea. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it would be great to see more of Alfie, you know, just anytime he's on, on the screen or on the, you know, on the ice or anything like that, everybody loves seeing that. And um, obviously everybody knows why, but, he 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 does need to have kind of a bigger role. I, I do think that that will come, but at the same time, he's he's back with the organization, and that's a win as it is. Patrick Waugh, you think it could just be his head coach, or is there a chance you think that maybe he would dip his toe because he has been the general manager in the queue for that long as well? And uh, if you do recall, the reason he left uh, Colorado was because he wanted more say in his personnel and who he has up and who he's able to bring in and who he's able to ship out. And, you know, it's something that works, I think, a little bit better in the NFL for whatever reason. I know there's a lot more players to manage in the NFL than there are in the NHL. Um, But giving a guy like that control um, would would. I who knows? Like, I mean, you want to talk about having respect and authority. It's like he can look at a guy and be like, I'm going to ship your ass out of here if you don't do what I say. So you better do it. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think that that's what we'll see. I think you'll, you'll, you'll have a, a well-respected GM. And, 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 you know, if he ever did get brought in as the head coach, then uh, I think his name and, and, you know, everything I said before kind of does enough to make the players be accountable to it. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Uh, today hasn't been all bad for Michael Anlauer. According to Sportico, nine minutes. Okay, no, this has to be. This has to be like on the total value. Sportico is reporting that Michael Anlauer sold his ten percent shares of the Habs at a two point five billion dollar value. So that has to mean he sold it for two hundred and fifty million. Yeah, because he had ten percent. Yeah, right. That, so they're saying the valuation of the Habs was two point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what that means. Right. That's still a that's still a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a quarter of his what he purchased the cents for back right away. So, wow. Woo. Well, what else? What else? How else do you want to attack this? And maybe we'll take some questions in the comments as well. But I think that when you look at 
what's next? Like, it feels like it's a trickle down, right? The biggest change happens at the very top. Then it happens on the business side at the very top with Surreal Leader coming in. Then it happens at the very top of the hockey operations department with Steve Steos coming in. Then you start putting other pieces in place, like Matt Nickel, like uh, Daniel Alfredson on the coaching side. So it feels like everything is moving downwards. And if you're not with us, you're against us. And there's guys getting pushed out like that. So it's an interesting but makes sense when you look at it from a strategic standpoint. Yeah, I mean, we knew that they weren't going to make all these changes all at once when they first got here. There's, I don't think that, like they said in the press conference, I don't think the plan was to get rid of Pierre at this very moment. Like, they're like, oh, November 1st, he's done. That's when we're firing him. Yeah. I don't think that's what happened at all. I think they just kind of realized, they're like, holy crap, look at the mistakes this guy's made. Look at the lack of communication in this organization. Look at all these different things that are not in place that haven't been in place for this long and, and haven't seemed to be a concern to this organization. Um, they're really taking a look at everything that they have here and they're they're you know they're making the changes that they need to make because they can't just continue doing things the way that they've been doing them. And part of the way that they've been doing them is because of the same people who have been around this entire time, which again, would bring you back to probably looking at DJ Smith as the next guy in that hot seat, but I, I still don't think that happens uh, in the very near future. Jay Fife, I'm glad you're asking this question because I thought it was a very interesting part of the press conference. This is the first time that Michael Anlauer has spoken to the media since the ruling of Shane Pinto's 41-game suspension. He threw a little shade at the NHL for allowing their stars and, well, their Hall of Fame, the great one, to be you know, promoting gambling. And he also made a very, I thought, you know, rational and relatable situation of, of what Shane Pinto was going through. This guy was injured for an entire season two years ago. Like he's sitting on his couch and all he's watching when he's, when he's doing his homework, watching hockey is betting ad, betting ad, betting ad, betting ad, betting ad. And I know that of course there's the fine print when you create your account. Shane Shane Pinto's got that Nodak education. I say jokingly, you know, I love Nodak, but uh, I think it was just a dumb mistake. But how did you think that um, Michael Anlauer handled the whole Shane Pinto conversation where he said, look, this is a young man who needs our support right now. He's smarter because of it. He's been made an example so that other players won't have to go through something similar and that, that he's getting the help he needs. I found that to be an interesting uh, line and that they're going to welcome him back with open arms when his suspension is done, as long as they get him under contract. Yeah, what's not to love about those comments? And I, I would go even further and, and, and talk about the comments that he was making um, in regards to the NHL not letting them know about this investigation until, you know, basically training camp time after, you know, they had been investigating it basically all summer prior. Um, that was another kind of shot that Ann Lauer took at the NHL where he was like, I don't know why they didn't tell us about this sooner because, you know, obviously there's implications there if they were to, you know, move the space needed for Pinto in the offseason and then all of a sudden learn about this later when the NHL knew the entire time. It's like, dude, like, let us know. Why are we in the dark when it comes to our own players being investigated? So that's the kind of thing that um, I think the NHL is learning and Michael Anlauer maybe is learning that uh, this stuff is is it's crazy. Like, I, I don't know why there's there's, you know, information being withheld a lot of speculation out there that the nhl knew about this and didn't want to tell the ann lauer group before because they you know they they knew that that would i don't know if it would decrease value of the team or whatever it is you can say the same thing about the evgeny dadanov thing maybe they didn't drop this right away because um you know they they knew they were going to pull a first round pick on them and they didn't want to tell ann lauer and ann lauer's like well why didn't anyone tell me this before um i can see why he's upset and he made it very clear that I think that he was mad at that, uh, and I've heard you know not the best things about him. What's the guy's name? Larry, Larry Pl- Planter, Plenner, Plenner. He's one of the guys on the board of directors for the Ottawa Senators. That uh, Sheldon Plenner, Plenner. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna get him completely called out here. Yeah, that's that's it. Sheldon Plenner, and uh, he was the operating guy, like basically operating on behalf of the board. This was the direct uh, quote that uh, that I pulled from Michael Anlauer saying that he was assured by the seller that the penalty for the Dadanov situation was that it was a non-issue. And then he stopped and he goes, well, I don't know about you guys, but to me, a first round pick is a pretty 
major <laughs> asset. That's hilarious. Um, I'm glad he's he's. I mean, he, I love his press conferences, man. I wish we could hear more. I mean, not not on this kind of topic, but hearing more from Michael Anlauer would make me laugh because he's clearly a guy who's like very dialed in and, and and knows how to say things that are a little bit cutting without coming across like you know an a hole. Um, I, 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 I thanks for tuning in. What's that? I was just thanking Michael. He's one of the the 500 tuned in. Oh yeah, hey Mike. People are asking if the streets are going to survive a purge of the hockey ops department. I would say that there's a very good chance that the streets will be alive and well uh, going forward here. I, I don't think that, um, like I said, it's not like I have one person telling me everything. It's coming from all over the place. The streets, um, the streets are alive. Um, the streets will be fine. Um, I, there's been a lot of deniers of the streets lately and I get it. You know, I, I'm just some random guy on Twitter. Um, but uh, I mean, after, after today and after the last few weeks, I, I hope we, we see a lot less of that because, you know, I, sometimes I'll tweet something out and then it, it, it doesn't happen for a couple of days. And, you know, I start to feel a little nervous. I'm like, geez, maybe I shouldn't have tweeted that. They're like, yeah, I don't want people to not trust me. Obviously I want them to trust me. Um, so far, so good. I think Ross. I think we're okay. I think people are. Uh, you know, the streets have been vindicated a little bit here today. Well, I think we could just ask Pierre Dorian what he would say to people saying that the the streets. You know, they should take a rest. Rest is a weapon. I've, if I hear that one more time, I'll go crazy. Yeah, and and I, I mean, again, Ross, I I'm merely a conduit, right? I, I I'm just I don't want to gatekeep information from Sense fans. If I get something. And I know something. Then I, I, I hope that I can, you know, disclose that to the to the people without them attacking me. <laughs> because in all, we are we're a team. We're a team, baby. We're a team. That's what we are here. Locked on Senators, the Martian. You're already following him on social media at Laleem's Martian. You can follow his Twitch as well. When's the next stream plan for? I, I might do one tonight. I'm gonna do one tonight. I think. I think tonight's a good night to do it. I think. Are you, are you gonna replace the, the GM? Yeah, I just changed the name of the GM. Uh, No, yeah, I I think I'll I'll, I'll pop on tonight. I'll be on Twitch uh, tonight, uh, twitch.tv slash Liam's Martian. I will, uh, I'll I'll just be continuing the franchise mode for now on on the Twitch stream. I think, uh, yeah, we've been deprived of Sens hockey for what, four or five days now. I think people are hungry for it. I think, you know, there's a lot of news to talk about. People are going to have questions for me. So I'll, I'll, I'll tackle all that on my stream tonight. I think probably around uh, 7 o'clock is what I'm thinking. You heard it from the Martian. Let's wrap up with a couple more questions from the chat. And er, and then uh, I also want to reset the whole thing. So the news today, Pierre Dorian is out as Senator, Senator's general manager. Dorian took over uh, at the start of the 2016 season. Brian Murray moved into a special advisory role. And before that, Pierre Dorian spent two and a half seasons as assistant general manager with the team. Before that, he was director of player personnel for five seasons. He was director of amateur scouting for two seasons. And before that was an amateur scout with both the New York Rangers for two years and the Montreal Canadians for uh, almost 10 years, 11 years before that. So Pierre Dorian is a good hockey man. Say what you want about maybe being in over his head as the general manager of a national hockey league team. But there's one thing you can't take away from him. That guy bleeds Ottawa Senators hockey and gave his heart and soul to the organization for 17 years. I'm trying to think back to what I was doing 17 years ago. And for him to be in one organization this whole time, I mean, that's something that he can hang his hat at. No shame in that. Uh, But certainly a few mistakes that were just like, come on. They had to be cleaned up. And uh, here we are with a, a guy with a 467 win percentage. Good for 28th in the National Hockey League since he took over. Made the playoffs one time in over seven years. And that was a team that he basically inherited as it was his first season with the Ottawa Senators. So your your initial reaction, I know you knew about this a few days ago, but um, how, how do you think today's events are going to impact the next game? Like there's a five-game stretch that starts tomorrow. It's LA, then it's Tampa, then it's Toronto. Then it's Vancouver back to back. Then it's Calgary. Like this important stretch coming up. Do you think today's news affects that at all, or is it just business as usual? 
for me, it's business as usual as the players, you know, who knows the players may have known about this for a little while too. Uh, I don't, I obviously don't think it was, you know, all these different pieces of news were finalized today. Um, like, the, like I said, with the Dadanov thing, they probably knew that was going to happen. Uh, I think, you know, when you hear that, you got to assume that Pierre Dorian's going to lose his job too, or that there's going to be some sort of changes up top. I don't think they give a crap. I think they're focused on one thing and one thing only, and that's winning hockey games. And I hope that's the way they're, they're taking this. Um, I don't think any of them are, are boo-hooing because Pierre Dorian drafted them and, and you know, that's the GM that drafted them. I hate to see him lose his job, but um, they, they, have, they should only have one focus. And that's winning hockey games. My final question for you, Martian, and tell me if it's too soon. But what's, like, what's your, your, your Pierre Dorian quote that's going to stay with you for the longest? Because there's, I mean, we just played two of them. There's a lot of them. We did a whole ring of honor of, on best soundbites. And out of that ring of honor, out of the 12 that were chosen, I want to say like three were Pierre Dorian quotes. Yeah. Like I mean, there's, there's two that there's two that stick out of my mind and neither of them are good. Um, but proudest day as a GM was the day that he traded Mark Stone. I think that that was a really terrible quote. You know, he, this, almost, he almost fist fought Ian Mendez on radio. This could be my proudest day as a general manager. That is is not a good quote after after trading a star player and probably future captain. Um, Cup and, captain. and Cup champ now. Um, and then the other one is, is that always cracks me up just because it's it's just hilarious because he was dumbfounded was the we're a team quote when uh, before the season even started. I think it was it was 2018 or 2019, and Elliot Friedman or Dave Amber had asked Pierre Dorian. Uh, what are you most excited about this season? And he said, well, we're a team. We're a team. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what an answer that was too. So th- those would be my top two. Yeah, those those are both good. Uh, we got Hot Lunch mentioning the, the cup throw after the OT loss against uh, the Leafs uh, during the, the pandemic. That was... That's wow. a God, that's a God, no Greg, uh, staple now. I don't think we'll see that one go anywhere. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's working on something right now. That's maybe it's Pierre throwing himself out of the building. I don't know how he'd work that one, but, um, pretty yeah. good. Uh, Brent Wallace was saying on his show as well. And this is from C Seaburn, uh, in the comments, uh, apparently Dorian went up to the group of media in 2018, 19, when the team was, uh, basically at their worst and, and they were having a good practice. And the quote, he, he told all the reporters, he goes, Find a 29th place team that has more fun than us. <laughs> that's a great one too. Yeah, that's Dude, that's the kind of stuff that like I mean it's kind of endearing. Like for me, like I find that funny. He's just being like it's totally wrong to say he shouldn't be saying that kind of thing. <laughs> like never, <laughs> but he did it a lot, and it was it was it was just funny. I don't. Know. I, w- I would love to have a few few beers with Pierre Dorian. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so would I. I doubt he'd want to have any with me though. Why? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like, I, I don't know, being a... He was hanging player, out with us in the summer? Yeah, yeah. That was before I said he, he's going to lose his job. Right. You weren't I mean, wrong. It ended up happening. I wasn't wrong. I guess that's true. You just, Basically, you gave him a heads up. You gave him time to prepare. Yeah, gave gave a few people a heads up. Oh, man. Well, and it's a new era, officially. We've said that a few times now, but I think it's safe to say it's a new era in Ottawa, Steve Steos is now not only the president of hockey operations, but he is the interim GM. Final, final question. I got all sorts of final questions. What do you think the, the first move Steve Steos makes as interim GM is? Because now we don't have the easy answer of, oh, Shane Pinto signing. That's on the back burner. But yeah. overall, like, do you think they're going to go out? Because we heard Pierre Dorian was scouring the market if the defensive injuries to Branstrom and Shabbat are both long-term. We know Shabbat has a timeline, Branstrom doesn't. But like, is there going to be whether it's a trade, whether it's you know locking up a guy who's a, a pending free agent? They don't have too many of those guys, really. But like, what do you think the first thing he does is? I don't. I don't think he does much. I don't think he does much at all. I think the first thing he does is going to be the the hiring of a new GM. That's my guess. Yeah. So you think there's like an Im- immediate timeline on that? Like if I, 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 I I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen before Christmas. Christmas. That's where you're going to put it. Yeah. Any thing and and maybe this is this is kind of me getting uh, maybe behind myself, not ahead is would you say there's something to be said of doing it in the summer when 
all the known candidates would be available. You know what I mean? If, if guys get let go after the year or, or a situation where it's like if Pittsburgh had acted quicker last year and gotten rid of Hextall, they couldn't have, you know, known that Dubas would be available or that's or not saying Dubas in particular, just using that as an example, but you just, you, you might have more candidates shout out indeed. Yeah, but I do st- still think they're going to be looking, and if they find the right candidate, shout out indeed, then I will, you know, they're going to hire whoever they think is is the, the right guy for the job. So maybe they do look around and they, they have these potential GM candidates and, and they just decide, you know, maybe not right now. Maybe we'll just, we will reevaluate in the summer, but I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't be looking right now. There's plenty of guys who are qualified who are out there. That's such a good <laughs> Dubas might be available again this summer. Yeah, I doubt it. He's P- He's president of Hockey Ops, so he's not going to be the one who's going to get fired. No. But, hey, they don't start winning. Something's going to give in Pittsburgh. And you look at Mike Sullivan, a guy who he's, he's on the hot seat right now too, but he's also got a pair of Stanley Cups in his back pocket. And for anyone who's like, oh, it's Malkin, oh, it's Crosby. Well, both those guys have suffered major injuries while he's been at the helm, and he's been able to kind of get them through that as well. And uh, Ninja High, this is a great place to leave it because I think it is a question that many people would have. Can you poach an AGM from another team in the middle of the season? I think the answer in short is yes, but with permission. Yeah. I don't know how many teams, the Senators were one of them with Jack Capuano, wouldn't let him interview for, I believe, the Buffalo job. But was it and isn't that usually a mid, like an off-season thing too, where you wouldn't really ask in the middle of the season if you can have one of their guys or like, like inter, right? I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. From from the sense, usually we hear about like you know in uh, in the off-season, it's like oh, this team is waiting for Team X to go out so they can interview right. this gym. But maybe that's a playoff thing where it's like okay, everything you know, you need your hundred percent focus right. all the time in the playoffs, where it's like. I don't know how many owners wouldn't let that. Like, let's say you're working under Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland in, in Colorado. Those guys aren't going anywhere. So if you want his assistant GM, it's it's it would be hard for them to to hold someone back if it's a general. Like, this isn't like an, a, a poaching a scout to be an assistant GM. This is like, there's 32 of these jobs available in the world. I think that as long as it's under the right circumstances, like maybe maybe a division rival wouldn't do that where that yeah. comes before hockey. But I think overall, yeah, you, you probably let them go for the better opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. We answered the question. So yeah, you, you need, you need permission one way or another before anyone is going to allow you to interview one of their guys. And Sanderson Sanderson asked, what about Ryan bonus? We don't know anything about Ryan bonus. He's, he's they, in- didn't, they didn't mention him. I got to assume they still have him running the show in Belleville though. I don't think he's going to be the next general manager of the sense Oh, no. Uh, no, I don't think so either. It's going to be someone with experience and someone who has some sort of connection. Follow the connection. Follow the, the tree of life to where the branches will go because everything's connected with this hockey world. It's too small not to be. We can't thank everyone enough for joining us for a special edition of the Locked On Senators podcast in collaboration with, with Martian Media. Make sure you're subscribed to Martian Media on YouTube. Make sure you're following The Martian at Lalim's Martian on Twitter. The streets simply do not miss for better or worse. And for tomorrow, Pillsy's going to have a lot to catch up on once he finishes scooping and driving home because we got a lot to break down. And tomorrow is a game day for the Ottawa Senators. The Senators will be hosting the Los Angeles Kings. So we'll break down this Pierre Dorian out as general manager of the Senators and preview the first game of the next era. Like, Martian, let's 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 go all the way back. Sens ref. Let's go all the way back. And I know I'm just extending and extending, extending. And I just need to see the last game since Pierre Dorian was general manager of this team. The Senators got a 6-1 win over the Boston Bruins, April 9th, 2016. Like the last time the Senators had a general manager not named Pierre Dorian, Matt Pumple scored in the game. <laughs> That's funny. Assisted by Phil Veroni and Buddy Robinson. That's, yeah, I, that's I, how I mean, we got to go back. The, the roster turnover over that like period of this last five years is actually crazy. If you look at that 2017 team, like pretty solid, decent team, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, Game 7, triple overtime or double overtime, um, and then not a single guy from that team was on the roster like three years later. 
not a single guy. And Brian Zingle, he came back. But. Right, he came back and he was super happy about it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That that's a must-watch interview with uh, coming in hot. He was he was taking no prisoners, and uh, we had someone in the comments ask. So let's uh, let's finish off by by looking at this here. This is uh, this is what Pierre Dorian um, was inherited as Senators GM. This is his team, and we're doing our boy Meth dirty here, half cutting him off there at the bottom, but uh, <laughs> looking like his finger after Sid was done with him. But um. But this is this is the team he inherited, and uh, yeah, it's it's very, very much different today. Very. Yeah. I mean, look at the ages of these guys. Yeah. And look at the current ages of, of the current Ottawa Senators. Like, you're hard-pressed to find a handful of guys who were over the age of 26 on today's sense, and this, this team was more of a veteran team. But anyways – We'll leave it at that for today. For for The Martian, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been a bonus, immediate reaction edition of the Locked On Senators podcast where we've got your team every day.